Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word... When your life is right with God, everything else could be going wrong, but you're you're okay because you're right with God. Your relationship with the Lord, He's speaking to your heart. You You got a good conscience. Money can't buy just a good standing with the Lord. That's everything that we need every day, all the time. And this crazy world in which we live, if we can have that, we have everything that, and if you don't have that, you can have the world, you have nothing. How much value do you place on your relationship with God? In today's message, Pastor Bill reminds you that money can't buy the kind of peace that comes from being in good standing with the Lord. The people of Israel tried to force God's presence to be with them but their actions were not what made him be with them. Likewise, our actions alone will not cause God to be with us, but obeying and trusting in him is what will lead to an increased sense of God's presence in our everyday lives. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Samuel chapter four, as he begins his message, Ichabod. All right, so 1 Samuel chapter four, titled the message Ichabod, Real ugly name. You'll see as we come to the close of the chapter, Ichabod is a child gets this jacked up name. But the the ideal of the chapter we're looking at is that God's glory has departed. And so we're going to look at uh, this. It's a sad chapter for Israel, but it would be a lesson. You know, some of these things that we read as you look at the New Testament and you wonder, why do we have all these, you know, some of these stories like this in the scriptures? And God would say these things are written for your learning. That we can look at what they did here wrong, what they did here and missed God. These things are written for you and I to learn from. So we're gonna we're studying it that we can actually learn from it. That's what God intended. So with that, chapter four, a little bit of a uh, catch you guys up. You guys remember Samuel got his first prophetic word as he was trying to learn how to discern the voice of God, and God told him that the word that he had already told Eli was that Eli's sons and Eli were gonna die for the sins and the travesty and the things that they were doing in the house of the Lord. And so he ended up giving that word to Eli and we pick up from there. So look at now first Samuel chapter four, verses one and two, it says, and the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer and the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. And so a couple of things here out the gate, it tells us that the the word of Samuel came to all Israel. And this, what this means, God was establishing Samuel as a prophet to the nation. So God was, his word was going forth and God was establishing Samuel as a prophet of God, as his spokesman, which was so important because I really believe God needed a solid spokesman at this time. And so Samuel was being established. And it tells us, it goes right from there to say, now Israel went out to battle against the Philistines. And we're going to see something that happens many times in Israel's history. They got enemies. Usually we look at all the Ites, the the, the Girgashites, the Sodomites, the the Moabites, all these enemies that Israel has. The Philistines is, they stand out as one of the prominent enemies of the people of Israel, uh, they were a formidable adversary. The Philistines were first uh, to have iron. So 
if you think about what that would have meant in that culture, if you're the first people with iron, everybody else coming clanking with wood and rock and you got iron, they put you up on them. They had chariots and they, so they had greater armory. They had, you know, helmets and, you know, they had, you know, shields made of mail and all kind of things. So they were a very formidable foe for Israel. However, whenever Israel was in step with the Lord, Israel and God was always a majority. Amen. When they were right with God, it didn't matter how big the enemy was or how great the weapons the enemy had. If they were walking right, obedient with the Lord, it seemed that they were invincible long as they were right with God. The problem at this point in time in Israel's history is that they're not right with the Lord. What they really need to do is repent and get things right with the Lord. But but instead they go to battle. And so I want you to consider this because there's some parallels. There's some things here that can happen in the Christian experience where you know, we have lots of battles and wars that we fight day to day and we need God to go before us. Would you guys agree? I want God to fight my battles. I don't fight my battles right. You know, I, I fight my battles. Y'all be visiting me at the prison and sending me plates and food or whatever. So, you know, I need God to fight my battles. I need God to go before me. I need God to give me wisdom and self-control and all these different things. And if I don't stay right with the Lord and I get out there and I fight my own battles, I can get into trouble. I can make a mess. I can be defeated by my enemies. However, when I am walking with the Lord and I'm obedient to God, I do find that there's a grace about my life. And there are things that I, I recognize at times that I couldn't have pulled off in my own strength. And I've seen God do it for me. God, you did that for me. I could not have done that. I could not have made that happen. I, I could not have won that battle. I'm not that wise in that situation. And just because I'm right with you, you're just knocking down enemies left and right. And that's the sweet spot for the believer. Amen. We want to be in that spot where it says, God, it's just me and you. And all the heavy lifting, you do it. I enjoy it. And I just give you the glory for it and keep it going. And so Israel's not in that sweet spot right now, right? They're in disobedience. They're in rebellion. The leadership is a mess. And then they got the nerve to go to battle. They got the nerve to, to set up in battle array against the Philistines as though, you know, well, because we're Israel and they're Philistines, God has to make us win. Uh, we're going to see that that's not the case. And so it says that they went out to battle with the Philistines, and then they were defeated in front of their enemies. Um, it says the Philistines killed about 4,000 men from the army of Israel in the field. And so I just want you to think about that. 4,000 men that didn't have to die are dead. 4,000 men that they could have been alive. 4,000, we don't know how many of these guys were husbands and fathers. 4,000 men of Israel. There's unnecessary loss when people stay in rebellion and stay in sin against the Lord. And so 4,000 men have died. And then look at verses 3 and 4. They start asking questions. And then before God can answer, they answer for God. So look at verse 3 and 4. It says, And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? I'll come back to that. Let us. And I, you can circle that phrase, let us. We'll talk about that too. Let us bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Silo to us, that when it comes among us, when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. So as you look at verses three and four, a couple of things happen, right? The elders ask among themselves, they say, why has the Lord defeated us before the Philistines? Does it sound like they're blaming God? Kind of does. They're like, why did God do this to us? You know, um, we all obedient and godly and everything. And God just let our enemy. Why would God allow that to happen. And so I, you guys, I cannot tell you how many times as a pastor, I know Anthony, Pastor Anthony has seen this 
where people have gone to do their own thing. They're running in rebellion against God. They're married non-believers. They're out there drinking and smoking and partying and robbing and stealing and colluding. And then something bad happens. Like, why would God let that happen? Why would God let me lose my job? Bro, you had that's your fourth DUI. Why working that? What do you mean? Why would God? You know, like, how did you have a job anyway? You know, just but it's just people be so quick to blame God for the something goes wrong. And it's like, no, 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 no. We got to get into the mirror. We got to be careful about that. So they ask the question among themselves, why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Now, what should they have done right here, guys? What would have been the appropriate thing? You just got whooped in battle. You came back humble. What would be a good first step? What would you guys say? Pray. God, what's going on? Are we not right with those? Is there sitting? I mean, they should have just pulled up a chair and said, God, we, I'm going to sit here until you tell me something else to do. But they instead of talking to God, I want you to note this is very important. People do it today. Instead of talking to God, who do they talk to? They talk among themselves. Do y'all know Christians do this too? I'm going to show you the Christian way of doing this. The Christian way of doing this is like this. Let's say you got situations in your life. You really need to spend some time in prayer. You really need to get with the Lord. But that's, that takes faith and it just is not as exciting as, as getting with some brothers and sisters. And so you call a sister or a brother and you say, hey, let me tell you what's going on. And you talk to them. What do you think? And you hear what they think. And then you call another person and you run the situation. And what do you think? You got about five people in your head, what they think. But you haven't talked to the Lord in any depth. You've got more talk time with people who are no more powerful, no more spiritually equipped than you are. And you haven't tapped into the one who is all-knowing, all-powerful, loves you, knows everything, can do anything. You haven't tapped into him because you know why? It takes faith. It doesn't take faith to call a friend. That's very natural. And my flesh is comfortable with that exchange. I want to hear a bunch of people's thoughts on stuff. You know, what you needed to do was hear from God. And I can tell you this from my own experience, you guys. So many times when I have elected to wait till I hear from God on something, God says something that nobody else would have said and that I would have never thought of myself in a thousand years. And whenever I get it from God, it's like, oh, that's so good. God, I would, man, I would have never come up with this. You know, and God's like, that's why you need to be talking to me. That's why you need to be pulling up the chair right here. So can I encourage you guys while friends, and I'm not saying that we don't ever talk to our friends, but there are times where you got to shut everybody out and just say, I don't want to hear from anybody right now, but God on this issue. Uh, my wife and kids will tell you there are times where I'm working through something and I'll say, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to hear from my wife. I'm telling my own thoughts to shut up. Right. I got I'm trying to defeat. My, I don't want any extra thoughts in my mind. I'm just trying to get a, a word from God on an issue. So I don't need 10 opinions and five ideas and 50. I think and I just want to hear what God says. And so sometimes that's we got to just shut everybody out, even our own selves. I got to tell my own mind, Bill, be quiet. Didn't ask you, you know, what you think is irrelevant right now. I want to hear from the Lord. And so they make a mistake here. They, they reason among themselves. And then it says that they said the word, let us circle that. That's a, the recipe for failure for believers. Let us. This is what we going to do, right? We haven't heard from God. We haven't prayed to God. We haven't got a word from God, but we know exactly what we're going to do. And I just want you to know, if you haven't heard from God, prayed to God, sought the Lord, read the word, you have no idea what you should do next. But they've come up with a plan of what to do next without any 
They have no time in with God, no prayer time, no word time, just as they discussed among themselves. At the same time, blaming God for the failure of the last battle. They said, I know. You know what? I know what we're going to do, guys. I got a great idea. And I want to tell you, the idea is a pretty good idea. The Ark of God. They say, you know what? We're going to get the Ark. We're going to bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when it comes among us, it may save us from the hand of our enemies. It sounds like a great idea. This is why. The Ark in Israel was the representation of the presence of Almighty God. The Ark, God had told them to, to, to build it. The Ark stayed there in the tabernacle of the temple. It was in the Holy of Holies. The only person that could go in to see where the Ark was was the high priest. And he only went in there once a year. The Ark was a really big deal for Israel. And so there had been times previous in their history where at God's instruction, the Ark preceded Israel into places and out of places. But in this instance right here, it's as though they're saying this, God, we're not going to fix the issue with your presence, right? That we don't, we're not experiencing the presence of God because we're not right with you. Never mind that. We're going to take this ark that represents your presence and we're going to bring that and that's going to ensure us victory. We figured out a way to get God with us without us getting right with God, they thought. And so this is where we have to be so careful because we can reach out for relics. I mean, you know, I'm, I got this interview tomorrow. I'm going to wear my cross. Oh yeah, that's going to do it right there. I'm going to wear, I'm going to wear my cross and that's that, that the Lord got to give me the job now. I got I, well, I wore a cross, Lord, gold plated, everything, you know, um, you know, we can do things like that. You know, there are people that got little angels they put in their car. This is going to keep me from an accident. No, it's not. You, no, it's not, no, not going to keep you from an accident. But there there are all these little trinkets and things that people can say, this is how it's going to be done. And God's like, no, no, you need me. You need my presence. Don't let anything trick you out of understanding how bad we need to just be right with the Lord. And if, if I could just tell you guys, is there's something so sweet about a life that's just right with God. When your life is right with God, everything else could be going wrong, but you're, you're okay because you're right with God. Your relationship with the Lord, he's speaking to your heart. You're, you got a good conscience. Money can't buy just a good standing with the Lord. That's everything that we need every day, all the time. And this crazy world in which we live, and we can have that. We have everything that, and if you don't have that, you can have the world. You have nothing. That's what we need more than anything else. Just, God, I need to be right with you. And if I've drifted from you, I need to return. If I've gotten into some stuff that's not, I need to repent of it and turn back to you. But I need to get right with you. I don't want a relic. I don't want a thing. I don't want a thing to help me feel close to you. I want to actually be close to you. And again, there, there are things that people can do to help them feel close, you know, you know, and, and I, I'm not against I like I'm not against tattoos in any way. But I think for some people, they'll tattoo something on them like I'm going to tattoo Jesus here. And then that, that way I'll always see it to remind me, you know, to keep me. That's not going to keep you close. You know, it's going to be close to you, but it's not going to keep you close. You being close to God is something you do. It's a choice that you make on a daily basis. You stay close. You walk in intimacy with the Lord. And so. They are exchanging here when they need to pray to God, they don't. When they need to turn to the Lord and turn from sin, they don't. When they need to repent, they don't. Instead, they say, we, we're going to get the ark. That's going to fix it. And, and this is the plan that they came up with. Remember, they didn't get this from God. They came up with this themselves. If you're a note taker, write, write down Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. The writer of Proverbs tells us there, trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. And that's what we want to be careful to do. Acknowledge the Lord in all that we do, knowing that if we do that, he will direct us. Well, that's the mistake that they make here. No seeking of the Lord. They've only discussed things among themselves. They've come up with their own plan among themselves. And they're going to treat the presence of God like a rabbit's foot or some good luck charm. And God is not having that, you guys. God is not going to be your good luck charm. You know, you're not going to throw a Bible in your car. And say, I got, now God's with me. <laughs> I got the Bible with me. You got to have the Bible. You got to be living the Bible. You got you to be living in obedience to the word. And so don't cheat yourself into thinking that some external access to God, that's not how it works. What God wants with you and what God wants with me is very real and genuine and intimate. So he wants to dwell among you. He wants to live inside you. He wants to be your God and you're going to be his child. He wants to be your Lord where he dictates to you how to live, what to do, where to go. And you do so. That's what God wants with us. It's very intimate. And God likens it to a marriage. You know, there's something very intimate about a marriage. It's just us. Nobody else can get in here with us. It's just us in the marriage. God says, that's what I want with my people. I want an intimate love relationship. And God's not going to, he's not going to be cheated out of that with some, you know, us taking some relics. And so verse four, it says, so the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring from there, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Hosts, who dwells between the cherubim and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. Here's something that's even more sad. The Ark had to be carried by the priest. The priests that were available to carry the Ark were <laughs> Hophni and Phinehas, right? These idiots, right? These are the guys that are going to lead in. You guys are going to go get the holiest thing in Israel and put it in the wickedest hands and all of Israel, these guys are the reason God's judgment is getting ready to come down. And these are going to be the guys that are carrying it in. And so, uh, again, all of this could have been avoided with a prayer life. I hear me. Hear me loud. All of this could have been avoided with some prayer. God would have said, no, God would have not told them to do this. God would have told them what they really needed to do. They could have really got things right with the Lord. As I read this chapter, it reminded me of Israel in, in uh, the book of Joshua. If you guys remember in Joshua chapter six, they went to Jericho. They, everything was right in Jericho. They had heard from God. They were walking in faith. And they did exactly what God said do. Supernatural, amazing victory, just like God had prescribed that it would happen. Wham, they have a great victory in, 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 um, in uh, Jericho. Then they go to Ai. And they get a, I think they got a little cocky. They're like, you know what? They start feeling themselves, strutting their stuff a little bit. You know, we, we, I mean, we are the Israel. We're the camp. We're the, Israel. We're the army of God. And they go to Ai. And they don't pray. They say, hey, man, AI is weak, y'all. Don't don't weary all the guys. Just send a handful of guys. We got that easy, easy, easy money. Send a light crew over there to wipe up them AI folks. And they go into AI with no prayer and no word from God. 3,000 people die, right? 3,000 lives dead. Why? Because they were cocky. Why? Because they didn't pray. Why? Because they didn't do the things. Everything they had just learned about how to have victory. Faith and prayer and obedience to God, they just wiped that all out, went in, went in the strength of man and had a failure. After they lost, Joshua was crying and God said, man, get up. You go read it. Go read Joshua 7. Joshua, why? <laughs> well, you know, he's, he's wondering why did God let him get defeated? God, man, get up. There ain't time for that right now. Sin in the camp. Had you prayed beforehand, I would have told you it was sin in the camp. But y'all was all cocky and you went. Now you now after 3,000 people died, now you're praying. It's sin in the camp. That's why you lost. 
go deal with that. And they went and dealt with Achan, dealt with the sin in the camp, and then they went and had the victory that, they, that God wanted to give them. And there's a lesson there, right? Had they just prayed at first, 3,000 men that died would be alive. And I want you to remember that there's some times in our lives where if we would just pray first, we wouldn't suffer unnecessary loss. Sometimes we're suffering unnecessary loss because we didn't bother to pray. And God's like, so some of y'all will pray because you know you need to. Some of y'all will pray because I'm going to let you take a big enough L. And then when you hurt bad enough, you're going to come back and then God, what happened? I don't know. And then God's going to, you should have prayed. You should have talked to me. So what we should learn, none of y'all should have to take an L. Amen. We learn in the lesson here, we should pray before we get our hands involved, before we get out there and do something and make sure that we get direction from God. Here's something else about prayer. Once you pray, you got to wait to hear from God before you move out. You know that? And that's the most difficult thing about prayer. Many times it's coupled with prayer and what? Praying and waiting. Waiting is the part I don't want to do. But I want you to think about this, right? There are times when we pray and God hasn't spoken yet. And then we just, you know, if, if I always give this illustration, if, if my kids, when they were little, they say, Dad, can I have a cookie? And I haven't answered yet. And they start digging into the cookie jar and getting out a cookie and opening the wrapper and putting it. I haven't said a word yet. You asked, but I have not responded yet. You have got no right to be in the cookie jar with the cookies yet, right? You got to ask and then wait. Find out what my will is, what I'm going to tell you you can and can't do. That's how God is. But sometimes we're like that kid. We, God, I prayed about it. I asked, did you hear back? What did God say? I just felt like it, I just, it felt right. And that's not what, no, that's not how prayer works. God doesn't say pray till it feel right. Right? <laughs> he doesn't say pray till you feel good about it. You know, pray till you, you pray until you hear from the Lord. And here's the cool thing. It, I, I promise you this is, this works. If it's a big enough deal to God that you need to hear about it today, you will. And if it doesn't need to be heard today and God makes you wait a week or two or three or whatever, you'll be okay. Because God's doing something in that window of waiting. But God is never late. right? It's not like God is like, God, I prayed about it. You didn't answer it, so I didn't do anything. And then, look, I missed my opportunity because you didn't answer me. It, that'll never happen. If you're sincerely seeking the Lord, God will respond to you in the time that he, he, him knowing everything, God will let you know when you need to know. Now, I'll tell you right up front, that is frustrating as all get out, because I usually want to know yesterday, right? I want to know, God want to know, yet, and God's like, that's just not how it works, Bill. You're going to hear what you need to hear. You'll hear in time. But, you know, and so we have to wait, not be in a rush, and definitely not running out in front of the Lord like these guys did. So they ran out in front of the Lord with their little, you know, tactic. They, they're going to take the ark of God with them. Uh, look at verse five now. It says, and when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now, I will tell you that this, this looks good, right? It looks like this could look and sound like something amazing is happening in Israel. These, they're so pumped. That they, they got the ark of God with them. They got the, the thing that represents the presence of God that they've gone out to battle. And it says that they shouted so loud that the earth shook. And I want you to think about this. If you were observing this as an outsider, this would look like, wow, it looks like some kind of revival. This looks like God is doing something in Israel. This looks powerful. These people are shouting so loud that the earth is shaking. Can I tell you that there is no power in that? This is all human energy. Human emotion apart from the power of God. And this is what we have to be careful about today. Because sometimes things look like, wow, that looks like, that looks so powerful. Because 
people are being very emotional or people are being very, you know, uh, you know, just, you know, there's there's a lot of flesh involved. And I'm not saying that we can't be emotional sometimes. I'm not saying that all emotion is, is bad. I'm saying that sometimes that's all it is. It's emotion and human energy apart from the power of the living God. been listening to A Transforming Word. As Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 1 Samuel, this book covers some interesting history in the Jewish nation of Israel. The book starts with a prophet declaring the first king of Israel, and the book ends with the death of this same king. Why did Israel desire to have a king so badly? Was it a case of everyone else has one, so we should too? It seemed to have been a situation where the people wanted a person to rule and reign over them rather than just trusting God to do the kingly duties. As we all know, humans have a tendency to fail and falter, and the first king of Israel was no stranger to this. King Saul started off well, but he didn't end well. Power, prestige, disobedience, and insecurity were all part of his downfall. May these messages in the book of 1 Samuel be a good reminder and a lesson that no matter what man attempts to do, Without God, things will surely crumble. If you'd like to hear this message again, or listen to more messages from 1 Samuel, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you have some questions that you'd like answered, or need someone to talk to, we're happy to speak with you and try to answer those questions. Just call or text 310-245-4811. Once more, that number is 310-245-4811. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Thank you for spending time with us today in the book of 1 Samuel, here on A Transforming Word.